What is up, everybody, and welcome back to DW Sports. I am your host, Will Feller. And I'm your co-host, Davis Garrick. I hope everybody listening had a wonderful Christmas, a wonderful New Year. I know Davis and I both did. Davis went on vacation, I think, a week before me, and then I went the week after. So that was pretty fun. But we're back. There are a lot of sports that came on, such as NBA. And today's our second day of 12 Days of Parlays. We're going to be placing our bets on the wild card AFC side with the over under and the spread last week, obviously Davis and I both didn't do very good. Or I'll say the last episode of 12 days of parlays. Hopefully it's a little different this time because I'm actually feeling confident about these and you can make fun of me if you want, but before we get into 12 days and parlays, I know we're going to make you guys wait, but let's talk about two NBA games, or I guess two NBA teams yesterday. How about the Pacers versus the Pelicans? I was actually in Fort Myers yesterday. Um, our flight got delayed, and we weren't going to make our connection flight, long story short, so we stayed in the hotel. And I watched the Pacer game in the hotel on a live stream. Obviously, I'm a Pacer fan. Davis is a Pacer fan, too. The Pacers were down – by six points with 23 seconds left to go in the game, and they ended up winning 118 to 116 in New Orleans in overtime. Davis, what do you think this has to say about this team? Well, when I when I turned off the TV, it was they were down. The Pacers were down 10, I believe. I believe it was 106 to 96, and um, then I went back on ESPN and I saw that the Pacers were down three. And so I turned it back on just in time for Miles Turner to hit the game time, game time three to go into overtime. But what I have to say about this team is that they don't quit. And that's the thing I love about them. You know, going to the season, people didn't think they were going to be the best team. They People weren't expecting much. In fact, I wasn't even expecting much. Maybe like five or six seed in the playoffs. But after watching a few of these games, you know, they were close with the Celtics. The only game that I had trouble with was the Knicks game, which we'll get to the Knicks later. Um, But anyways, I think this team has no quit. They always fight to the finish. And, um, you know, they have four guys – I mean, I don't want to say just four guys because everybody contributes, but they have really four guys who just put it out there all night, every single time they play. Brogdon, Sabonis, Oladipo is back. And Turner, in my opinion, you know, Turner may not be the type of guy that can score the ball uh, as often as you like, but he's a defender. And that's what I really love about this team is they have an all-around team, you know. And T.J. Warren and Jeremy Lamb are hurt, too. That just shows you what they can do without those two. And when those two come back, man, it's going to be an exciting season to watch. And the thing is, too, DeMontis Sabonis fouled out in the fourth quarter. So the Pacers had to go through that stretch when they were down 10 points to, to hitting two threes, especially – you said you turned off the TV, but Victor Oladipo basically pulled up from the logo when he shot that. I thought, Lord have mercy, we just lost because Victor Oladipo pulled from the logo. Anyways, I don't know how he makes those shots. He hits so many of those game winners. 
I I don't want to question it. Just do your thing, Vic. And then of course Miles hit that three. But they went all throughout overtime. Obviously having to guard Zion and Brandon Ingram as well, who are both having fantastic games. They went through the whole stretch of overtime without having Devontas Sabonis. They had Justin Holiday most of the time, who knocked down a couple big threes. But overall, this Pacer team five and two. They're looking like a good team right now. Maybe a top four seed in the East. I believe that they can make a top four seed in the East. It's going to be tough because obviously you got the Heat, the Celtics, the Nets, the 76ers, the Bucs, obviously. Um, a lot of good teams in the East. But I'm proud of this team. And that game was the prime example on why you never give up. Now, quite frankly, the Pacers competition, have they played anybody really outstanding yet? No. But you can just tell talent-wise that this team's good. Victor Oladipo maybe isn't 100% as he was before, but he's at least 80% there. I mean, he's producing for the Pacers and, of course, Sabonis as well. But this Pacers team is looking pretty good. And, Davis, what are your thoughts on the new coach, Nabe Jorkin, so far? Because all the players seem to like him. And, honestly, just watching Pacers basketball now, I feel more – hype and I feel more that they're actually playing basketball and I'm not saying McMillan was a bad coach but do you think that the Pacers made the right hire or I should say do you like Bajorgron's better fit for the team than McMillan yeah I like him a lot in fact I like just the way he switches things up you know like you hardly see a team in the NBA play a 2-3 zone um, or a half-court press, a half-court trap. But he brings those certain things to the table. I mean, you see the Pacers running a 2-3 zone all the time. When there's a big guy in, like, you know, Zion and Steven Adams, they ran a 2-3. And, I mean, it can get you into trouble with a team that has good shooters. But, you know, it's just a prime example that he likes to switch things up and I think he couldn't really showcase all that as being an assistant coach in Toronto, but being a head coach now, he can showcase how he switches it up. He keeps offenses off balance, and I, I really like him, and I think he's going to take us far this year. The thing that I really like about Nate as well, um, the Pacers kind of have a thing for hiring coaches with Nate, but he really likes to get shooters open because – and up the tempo. Last year, the Pacers were in the bottom 10 in tempo of the game. And this year, they're in the top 10 so far. You can just tell they like to push the ball up the floor. They like to have active hands and play defense. But also, he gets shooters open. The Pacers take a lot more threes than they did last season, or I would just say under Coach McMillan. And I think that's just part of Bajorgon's coaching style because the Pacers have shooters. They have Justin Holiday. You can count Victor Oladipo as a shooter. Miles and Sabonis can knock down threes. Of course, you got Brogdon, TJ Warren, Jeremy Lamb. I mean, these guys are pro basketball players. They can knock down threes. It's kind of a positionless game at this point. I think the Pacers had at least 43s last game, including overtime, which, you know, is a lot of threes. But, I mean, we are knocking down a lot of them. And this Pelicans team honestly just couldn't guard them. They were guarded. They were contesting the shot. It's not that they weren't playing defense on it. They're contesting the shot, but the Pacers can just flat out hit shots like that. And, you know, for a team like that, 
you just got to respect kind of like last year's playoffs and the, when the Pacers played the heat, like the heat were just knocking down shots. You can't do anything about that. They're pro basketball players. But I know you said something about the Knicks game. So how about the New York Knicks? Because right now they're four and three. They're actually doing, they're actually on pace to do better than they did last season. Do you think it's too early to tell where the Knicks are going to be this season? Do you think it's just a lucky, you know, sprout for the Knicks? Or do you think that they're actually going somewhere with their program? Honestly, I'm going to tell you right here, I think they're going somewhere. I mean, you look at it like, and for all football fans out there, it's kind of like the Washington football team. And I think it's a team that's going to be a low seed in the playoffs, maybe a playoff run from the Knicks. Finally, after having some horrible years, but I think they're legit. I mean, just look at them. Julius Randle has been balling this season, and so has RJ Barrett. So I just think the Knicks are just looking like a really excellent team. I think they're starting to put pieces together, and I think they're going to be a team once they get some more pieces on their team on with uh, Julius Randle and RJ Barrett. They're going to be even better of a team, but I think they're legit. And for me, it's kind of too hard to tell because there's a lot of teams that get off to a hot, hot start. Um, some teams last longer than the others. Like we saw the Cavs were 3-0, the Magic were 4-0. And honestly, are those teams good teams? Are they playoff teams? Not really. I wouldn't say so. I mean, the Magic always find a way to sneak into the playoffs as like a 7 or an 8. They're usually in the 7, 8, 9, 10 range. You always find the Orlando Magic in there. The Cavs aren't a playoff team, although I do like how they're young with Colin Sexton and Darius Garland looking really, really good. But back to the Knicks. The Knicks do have some nice young pieces. R.J. Barrett definitely improved. You can just tell watching these seven games that – He's been working in the offseason, and it shows. Like you said, Julius Randle is doing really well. Obi Topin, or I don't even know how to say his name, Obi Toppin, Obi Topin, whatever you say. You know, I think he's going to continue to develop and get better. He's from New York, so he was excited to get drafted there. But honestly, the Knicks, I just think it's too early to tell because they still got to play teams like the Lakers, the Clippers. You got to play teams like, the Bucks, although I guess they did kill the Bucks one time. But, I mean, on any given NBA day, you can lose. I mean, the worst team in the league somehow pulls off, what, 15 to 28 wins, and it's always like this team really just beat us. Well, I think I'm in that range where the Knicks aren't like that. You know, you're not mad if the Knicks beat you, but also – the Knicks are a winnable game to anybody in the league. And I just think that the Knicks need to keep improving their young guys, and they will be an eight seed. But, but you know, you got to list off the eight teams right now in the East that are probably going to make the playoffs. You've got the Pacers, the Celtics, the Heat. You're probably actually going to have the Atlanta Hawks this year, the 76ers, and then the Nets. So there's six. And then you've got probably a team like the Magic and then maybe the Knicks in there as well. Um, the Raptors aren't looking good. They're one of five. They're god-awful this year. But usually the Raptors would be in there. Um, 
but yeah, do you think do you think that the New York Knicks should do anything with Julius Randle, or do you think they should keep him because they gave him a pretty big contract, in my opinion, when they should have signed Durant and Kyrie, they gave him a pretty big load. So, do you think? they would be better off to trade them for draft picks and continue building those young guys, or do you think they should keep them for the long run? I think they should keep them. I mean, especially after this season, I mean, seeing what he's done in only seven games is pretty crazy to me. And so I think they're going to have, I think they're going to have to start to build their program around him. Yeah, I see what you're saying. And also you've got RJ Barrett. Um, balling stud. And then you always got young guys on your team that are going to continue improving. But um, do you got anything else on the Knicks or the Pacers? Anything else, David? No, I just want to acknowledge one thing before we go on to the NFL about college basketball, that the whole March Madness tournament is coming to Indy. And that's exciting, even though, there probably won't be any fans, but that's just exciting for the city of Indy. I mean, because you see how many, how much stuff we're supposed to have in Indy this year that got canceled, like the All-Star game, the Final Four. Um, you know, the All-Star game got canceled, so this is just going to be a good opportunity for Indiana. Yeah, it is, and Davis and I both live in Indy, so that's a cool opportunity for us. I hope there's fans, but there probably won't be, but that's all right. It's just a cool experience for college basketball to come to Indianapolis. So moving on, we are going to go to the 12 days of parlays day two, and we're going to do just the AFC wild card. So every game we're going to do the spread and the over under whether we think if we are betting, whether we would take the spread, take the over under, what we would do with that, well, what you know, are inside of that. So it's going to be every team in the AFC except for the Chiefs because they're not in the wild card round. So first up, I want to say, first of all, the Indianapolis Colts are lucky. I'm a Colts fan, so is Davis. And they usually don't have seven teams in the playoffs. It's only six. So they're lucky that they got in because you wouldn't have made it if any other year, any other year you wouldn't have made it. But here we are. Indianapolis Colts traveling to Orchard Park to take on the 13-3 Buffalo Bills. It's supposed to be 29 degrees there. It's supposed to be cold. Hopefully it's not snowing. The line for this one is Buffalo, six and a half. I'm going to take – I'm saying Buffalo is going to cover that spread because people are going to say it's going to be close. Is it going to be close? Yeah, it depends what your definition of close is. I think the Bills are going to win by either 7 or 10. What are your thoughts on the line, Davis? Are the Bills covering? You know, I, I it's really hard for me to say because the Colts have just looked – honestly, they've just looked excellent this year. Not to be biased, but I think there's been a few games where they messed up and whatnot. I mean, obviously the Jaguars week one, but – that's week one, so you can give them a break. I mean, the Ravens, yeah. But they've just looked – their defenses look so good in the second halves of games. I think – I honestly think the Colts are going to cover this week. Maybe what do you think even. that what – th- what do you think the Colts are going to do to win this game? 
Uh, I think I pretty much just said it. I think it's going to come down to def a defensive battle, and I think the Colts are going to have to put all their trust in the defense. And honestly, I think obviously Phil Rivers is going to have to play good. And But the, the final thing I want to mention is that they're going to have to run the ball. You know, Jonathan Taylor had a very, very amazing game this weekend. And I think they're going to have to run the ball with him and Naeem Hines to have a shot in this game. You know what? You're my partner for a reason in this show. And because we don't disagree very often, I'm, I was going to literally say, not only just run the football, but utilize your running backs. And what that means is you got Jonathan Taylor and even Jordan Wilkins sometimes in the run game. Feed the guy with 253 yards and two touchdowns. I don't care that it was the Jaguars' defense. I don't care. Okay? Whether it's a good or a bad defense, it doesn't matter. 253 yards is insane. Most running backs don't even break 200 yards, yet 250. Of course, Derrick Henry had, had to give him some competition with 250 and two touchdowns against the Texans, but you got to utilize your running back. It's going to be cold. You got to throw checkdowns to Naeem Hines. You got to feed Jonathan Taylor and Jordan Wilkins. And if that's not working, if the Bills stuff that, you got to use the short passing game. It's not going to work if you throw bombs down the field on, on first down and second down, and all of a sudden it's third and 10. And then you throw a short route and it gets stopped five yards short, and then you got to punt the football to Josh Allen. That's not going to work. I'm thinking the strategy that's going to work is. It depends what you get on first down, okay? So you got to run on first down. Say you get five. Well, then you run again. If you get two, then I would probably utilize the pass game a little bit. But you got to look for Jack Doyle and Mo Alley-Cox over the middle. And you got to look at C.Y. Hilton. Um, obviously, he's not as explosive anymore, but he's still, he's still good with those curl routes. And my, obviously, Michael Pittman leads the – NFL rookies in yards after catch so we can catch those you know short crosser outs across the middle and, and run that thing for a little bit as well for a first down so that's what the Colts need to do to win that game for the Buffalo Bills what they need to do is they need they need to play defense they need to lock up limit the Colts to the minimal points as possible by being physical it's going to be cold. Buffalo is used to playing in the snow. Uh, it's not going to be snowy, but I'm just going to say used to playing in the cold. Anthony Costanzo is out, so you've got to put a good your best edge rusher over there, even if he's out of position, just in my opinion. And you've got to stop T.Y. Hilton and Jonathan Taylor, and if you do that, you're fine. You're always going to have Stephon Diggs that's going to tear you up with the, not only short routes, but the home run ball. And Josh Allen – He's a great quarterback, but he has an accuracy issue still, and that's what's holding him back from being probably, I'd say, a top-five quarterback in the NFL is his accuracy issue. If he throws a home run ball and he misses it, that could be the game. But I'm going to put my trust in Josh Allen and say the Bills are going to cover that six-and-a-half spread. Now, that's a little risky. So if you have a thing called a hedge bet, I do that. What that means is if you – Pick the Bills, 
to cover the spread or just win in general. You can hedge your bet if the Colts are winning or blowing them out and you can get somewhat of your money back, but it's not a lot at all. Um, anyways, over-under is 51. Davis, you taking the over or the under? I, I think I'm going to go with the under. And here's why. I think you just mentioned it. I think it's going to become a defensive battle. And, I mean, for the Bills to win the game, I think they're going to have to attack the Colts secondary. But at the same time, you said Josh Allen has a bit of a problem accuracy-wise. And if he's going to throw the home run ball, he's going to have to be very accurate on those. Um, but I think I'm going to go under on this just because I think it's going to be defensive. I think they're both going to try to ch- attack each other in certain ways. And, you know, the Bills might go for the deep ball because the Colts secondary is a little lackish. Um, and the Colts might have to run. Well, they will have to run. They will have to show through short passes as you have Javius White at corner. But, yeah, I think I'm going to take the under on this one. I'm actually going to take the over, and the reason being is, you know, everybody's tempted to take the under because it's a cold game. You know, we're not really sure if snow is going to be in the forecast. It's kind of too early to tell, but it's going to be, you know, below 32 degrees, so it can snow. It's going to be a cold game, but I still feel like every team is going to have at least at least 28 points. Um, because they're fighting for their lives. They got to find some way. And with Phillip Rivers being a veteran, I think that he can find a way to put up points on the offense. And obviously, if you've watched any Colts games, you know that Rocky Sin gets burned a lot. And the Colts secondary is good. But, I mean, they, they have the ability to get burned. They got Stephon Diggs. They got Cole Beasley, who's inconsistent but can play – well at times they've got some good receivers um of course Devin Singletary isn't a big issue to me at all he's only got like 500 something yards on the ground this year he's not an issue to me at all um and Josh Allen's legs could be a big part of the game if he if he stretches the field stretches the secondary out and then can use his feet but I'm actually going to take the over on this because I think that once one of the teams scores their life is on the line then and there, and they're going to have to keep scoring and keep scoring. Just my opinion, but me and Davis have actually, I think this is the first time we've actually both disagreed on one. So one of us is going to be right at least um, for one of them. So any other thoughts on the Colts? Oh, first of all, do you think that the Indianapolis Colts, if they make it past the Buffalo Bills, do you think they would have any chance of beating the Chiefs just out of curiosity? I think so. I mean, you know, they have a chance to beat any of these teams. I mean, you look at last year or two years ago. I can't quite remember. I think it was last year when they played the Chiefs. They played played the Chiefs in the regular season last year, and then they played them in the playoffs two years ago. They beat – that was Andrew Lux last year. They beat yeah. Houston on the road, and then they went to Kansas City and lost yeah. in the snow. Yeah, but in 
but last year they they won pretty by a pretty decent amount. And I mean, I think the Colts, if they get past the first round, I think they're gonna make it to the divisional round or to the conference championship. Sorry. And, you know, it's going to be just interesting to watch this team because I feel like Frank Reich has the mindset of we're going out as a seven seed, as an underdog. But we can beat any of these teams. Um, and I think that's the mindset that they're all going in with. And so I think it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah. I don't know about that, Davis Garrig. I don't know if they would be able to beat the Bills on the road and then travel to Kansas City and play Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Tyreek Hill on the road and freezing Kansas City once again and knock them out of the playoffs. I just don't see any chance, but hey, you never know. I never knew the Pacers were going to win yesterday. I was, I was so close to turning that game off, but you never know. I got Buffalo covering the spread. I got the over on 51. Davis is the exact opposite of me. He's got the Colts covering the spread, but the Bills still winning. And then he's got the under on the over-under 51. All I hope for is just a good game. I hope for a good game. And I just don't hope for an embarrassment for the Indianapolis Colts. But, you know, losing to the Jacksonville Jaguars week one, but then beating the Green Bay Packers makes me – really worried about what's going to show up on Sunday because or Saturday, I mean, because honestly, I have no clue. I have no clue it's going to show up. All right, next game in the AFC, we have got the Baltimore Ravens traveling to the Tennessee Titans. First of all, I was in Fort Myers eating. A, I was eating fish at this awesome restaurant called SOB in Fort Myers, by the way. If you guys go to Fort Myers, you should try it. It's absolutely amazing. I was there watching the Colts game. That got over. Then bonus coverage came on for the Texans-Titans game. First of all, I don't know how irritated this got anybody else, but this might have been the most irritating moment I've ever seen in football before because the Titans kicker lined up for a chip shot. It wasn't a hard field goal. All he had to do, I mean, it was like an extra point, but on a hash. It, it wasn't a hard field goal. So, obviously, the smart thing to do is you ice them. They snap it right before the timeout. The ref gives them the timeout, but the Titans kicker misses it. So, we were like, oh, no. He missed it. So, he lines up again. What do you know? The dude banks it in, and the Titans win the division. Like, that is so irritating. But it is what it is. Colts shouldn't have lost to the Jaguars. They would have got the division if they if they just beat the Jaguars and made them go 0-16 because, on quite frankly, I don't care that they're the seventh seed. I think that's kind of embarrassing that the Jags even got one win on a playoff team. But back to Ravens-Titans. Um, Baltimore's favored by three. This game was a good game last year. The Titans – Upset the Ravens. The Titans were the sixth seed last year. The Ravens, if you guys remember, went 14 and 2 last year. Um, the Titans beat them in Baltimore last year. I got the Ravens. I got the Ravens covering this, man. I got the Ravens covering three again. And the reason being is Willie Sneath 
is hopeful for the game, which means that he'll play. Harbaugh says that he's hopeful. The way that Baltimore is going to win this game is Lamar Jackson's legs and his receiver speed. The Titans' secondary is not good. And I know that the Baltimore receivers aren't that talented either, but, I mean, come on. They call him Hollywood Brown for a reason. The dude is speedy. Hollywood Brown, he's not the best, most talented receiver, but he's a speedster. You let him get in the open field, it's done. Mr. Jackson, use your legs. Throw to your guys. I got Baltimore covering. What about you? I couldn't agree with you more on that. I got the, I got Baltimore covering as well. And I think this, I don't even think this is going to be that good of a game. I mean, I think it's going to be the Ravens by 13, maybe even 17. Um, But, you know, I think Lamar Jackson is just going to, like you said, going to have to run, going to have to, the Titans are going to have to adjust to the run, um, and, the, and then you can go deep on them because, like you said, their secondary is god-awful. Um, but anyways, the over-under is 54-and-a-half, and I think I have the over. I think Derrick Henry is going to have a great game, and I think Lamar Jackson is going to have a great game as well. So uh, both offenses are going to be explosive. And I got the over on this. I'm going to take the over as well. And the reason being is, you know, watching NFL games, there's not too many games where teams put up 14, 17 points. You know, it's usually always in the 21, 24, 28 range. And I'm going to, I'm going to go with the over on this one as well. Ryan Tannehill is a good quarterback, but, I mean, come on, how long can the dude stay hot like that? Let's be honest, Tennessee shouldn't even be in this position right now. At the Texans secondary, didn't sell the game away and, and let A.J. Brown catch a Hail Mary when there was 18 seconds left. Like, what do you think they were going to do? Give it off to Derrick Henry? No, they weren't going to do that. Obviously, they're going to try to score. And the Tex- Texans secondary stole the game away. And then they shouldn't have made the field goal. I don't think, I don't think Ryan Tannehill is going to carry this on. Now, yeah, I know, he played great in the playoffs last year. Guys, he might he, – he, I may consider him a top-10 quarterback. He probably is, like, in my 10, 11, 12 range. But I don't think there's any way he's going to use his arm to beat the Ravens, per se. How do the Titans beat most teams by Derrick Henry? Hardball smart enough to know we shut down Derrick Henry – and we can win the game. What did Tennessee do last year to Baltimore? You shut down Lamar Jackson's run game, and look at what happened. The Tennessee Titans upset the Ravens. Now, this wouldn't be an upset if um, the Ravens won, but you shut down Derrick Henry. You got Obviously, a team's got at least one solid receiver. That's A.J. Brown for the Titans, but there's no way, no way Ryan Tannehill – is going to beat the Baltimore Ravens with his arm. And if this dude goes out there and throws for 400 yards and four touchdowns, to call me stupid. But, no, there's no way. I, I don't think there's any any way 
Now the Ravens defense is good too, but I don't know. What what do you think Tannehill's numbers are going to be like? I'm just curious to hear what it is because I think his are going to be more like 189 passing yards, something like that, two touchdowns and two interceptions. What about you? I think it's going to be like 215 passing yards and two touchdowns. And I only – I don't think – I think he's going to throw one interception, but maybe not even one. Um, I think he's going to prove himself. And, yeah. Man, I just don't know. Vegas makes these bets so hard. And if you're going to put money on this, I'm putting money on the Baltimore Ravens. Now, I know I need to build my trust up because I told that you need to put big money on the Miami-North Carolina game. And look at what happened there. I mean – Miami just completely crashed in that game, but that's for a different time. Put money on the Ravens, please, but don't put anything like super, super big, like a hundred bucks, which to some people that's not big at all. But I'm talking about put something like $25 on this game, maybe on the spread. The over-under is kind of hard, but I'm taking Baltimore to win by four or more. Um Last and final game of the AFC wild card. We've got, for the third time this year, the Cleveland Browns versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, this one, I think, is the hardest one. The last wild card game, Sunday primetime. Pittsburgh is favored by six. Now, I think the Steelers are overrated, but I also think that Mayfield can't lead the Browns to a playoff win because – I mean, for God's sakes, the Cleveland Browns haven't even made the playoffs since 2002. I don't know why some people think they're going to win the Super Bowl or something. Mike Tomlin knows what he's doing in the playoffs. Big Ben has experience in the playoffs. Um, I'm taking Pittsburgh to cover the spread again. I think they're going to win by 10 points. And the Browns, they're going to play decently well, but they're not going to beat the Steelers in the playoffs. I mean – the Steelers are one of the most experienced teams in the playoffs. And then there hasn't even – this team hasn't even been to the playoffs since 2002. I wasn't born yet. The last time this team made the playoffs. Give me Pittsburgh by a mile. Yeah, I'm easily taking Pittsburgh in this one. I mean, I don't even think – I don't think it's going to be close, to be honest. I'm, I mean, like you said, Cleveland hasn't even made the – playoffs since 2002 that's quite embarrassing for a franchise but you know yeah I don't see any way the Browns bro the Browns were happy with the two-point win to the Pittsburgh Steelers with all backups pretty much I mean a lot of people were saying it's the Pittsburgh Steelers JV team why are are you guys so happy you lost on a two-point conversion or why are you so happy you won on a two-point conversion and so I think with all the starters, I don't think the Cleveland Browns will even come close. And I'm taking – I'm going to take the over on this game, which the over-under is 47. I think it's going to be a high score, a pretty high-scoring game, but I think the Pittsburgh Steelers are just going to easily win this game. Yeah, and I mean, obviously the key players for this game relies on the number one key player – I think for every game is the quarterback. So who would you rather have in the playoffs? Mayfield or Big Ben Roethlisberger? 
who's been to a couple a couple Super Bowls. So I think unless you're delusional, I think you're going to take Big Ben Roethlisberger, whether you whether you hate him or love him. Um, he's just more experienced than the Browns, and you can't get mad at the Steelers for that for having a good franchise. Um, but it's rare to see a team like that that doesn't make the playoffs for 18 years to just all of a sudden shoot out of the sky. You've got to work your way up. So it's going to be make the playoffs first. And then you, you might lose a couple of times and then you're going to get your first win. Um, you know, when everybody's like that, the jets were like that. The jets made two AFC championships in a row. They lost to the Colts in 2009 where the Colts lost to the saints in the super bowl. And then, they lost to Big Ben Roethlisberger in 2010, the next year in the AFC Championship, where the Steelers lost in the Super Bowl. And now look at the Jets. Same thing with the Patriots. Now look at them. Every team's going to have their good years and their bad years. And Cleveland has had many bad years. Their good years are to come. But the over-under for this game is 47 and a half. I'm taking the over all day long. All day long. If I'm going to take the over on 55 – and 51, you best believe I'm taking the over on 47 and a half because, like I said, everybody's in that 21, 24, 28 range. Give me the over on that. Cleveland Browns fans, I know a lot of you are diehards, but I don't think this is your year. At least the Cowboys aren't in the playoffs, though, because that's what they say every single year. Davis, what do you think – what do you th- have to say about the over-under? Do you th- are you taking the over or under on 47 and a half? I'm taking the over easily. I mean, I don't even think I – mean, it's going to be high scoring. And I think, obviously, like I said, the Steelers are just going to outplay the Browns. But it's going to be over by a mile. Yeah, um, you know what? I'm just so excited. I've I've been so excited for sports. Obviously, I got school now, but um, I watch highlights of NBA games. Every single one of them, day by day, I watch full game highlights. I watch old NFL games because I just love sports. I love doing it. So that's going to wrap it up for today's show. For day two of 12 Days in Parlays and a little bit of NBA added on as well. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Our social medias have shot up lately. You can follow us on all social medias at DW Sports with two S's on the end. Davis and I both run the accounts, the Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Snapchat, um, all those accounts. And then our email is dwsportsshow at gmail.com. If you want to send us an email, help me and Davis become the best sports talk show in the mayor shock. Shock the world by showing the two 16-year-old kids can complete their dreams. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and we'll see you guys next time.